You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, lovers nothing you can't ask on the Savage Love Cast. I'm back. Hey, Lucy, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Where are we, wife? We, unfortunately, we are in a strip mall in Florida. <laughs> in Orlando. In or- Orlando. Orlando, I love you, Orlando. Just <laughs> from Book of Mormon. And we're here, we're filming for the Savage You show for MTV, which we are not allowed to talk about. Uh, it's like Fight Club until it's on the air. We're not allowed <laughs> to talk about it. Uh, and you're my tour wife and you've joined us for a couple of podcasts because you are making sure that i'm fed and in clean clothes uh, and not fucked while i'm on tour correct (laughs) (laughs) but here's an interesting thing for people who can't see us uh lucy's joined us for a couple couple podcasts and i have a drink in my hand and you don't why is that i can't why can i drink right now while we do the podcast and you can't because we're on a break and i have to go drive you you're not allowed to drink when you're on the clock? No. But I'm allowed to drink when I'm on the clock? It improves your talent, I believe. <laughs> I believe that's what they told me. <laughs> MTV wants to get me drunk, so I say things I regret that they can broadcast, <laughs> No, right? no. It's not why you're putting all these cocktails into my hand? No, wink. No, wink. no, no, that's not true. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but I, it is it is ironic that the entire crew, there's like 30 people swirling around us at all <laughs> yeah. times and there's only two people in the entire in the entire crew that can drink during the shoot um and i'm one of them and i'm a lightweight i don't drink that much you're so lucky i am so lucky and i'm having a little bit of scotch <laughs> <sighs> while we do today's podcast um what also is unique about today's podcast is you picked the questions i did so these are your choices yes you're in charge <laughs> Uh-oh. So if your call didn't make the podcast this week, you have no one to blame but Lucy. Lucy, oh, Lucy, no. who everybody hates. Everybody <laughs> hates Lucy. That's not true. There are haters out there. Don't I fucking know it. Ooh. There are haters out there. Uh, but there's way more people that love Lucy that we've heard from, which is why we're having Lucy back. Yay, thank you. And uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. Yes. And I'm thankful that you're here taking care of me. Me too. But I'm not thankful that I'm going to miss you next week. I don't want to be sad. It will be sad, but I'll be home with someone who does my laundry, makes sure I'm fed, (laughs) and fucks me too. (laughs) That's correct. That's my husband. You are my wife. It's true. It's a different kind of relationship. All right, we'll be right back with the uh, calls that Lucy picked out for this week's show after this. This episode is brought to you by AdamandEve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. I'm a 29-year-old straight-identified female from the Midwest, and I just started dating a guy. And we started sleeping together, and he can't seem to hold an erection because he has an irrational fear of his penis breaking um, while having intercourse, and he also says that he can't um, come during sex if he wears a condom. And um, moreover, he has to wear a condom, I've already told him that, but I've never heard of someone having this irrational fear of their penis breaking off while they're having sex, and 
I really want to work with him on this and be sensitive, but I kind of can't help but laugh. I was wondering if you had any advice for me. Thanks so much. So why did you pick this one? Snap off? Yeah. I don't know. I was intrigued. I kind of want to know what you would say. I would say that she should, I'm going to get slammed, dump the motherfucker already. You know, I, I, I like to say that you don't have to be perfectly healthy to mm. be in a relationship. God knows no one would ever get into one if that was the standard. But you have to be in good working order. And a guy who's afraid that his penis is going to snap off if he has sex and you know can't keep an erection when he has a condom if you're quiet, that's not a guy that's in good working order and that she says she wants to you know help him or work with him or help him through this like bullshit he's not your patient he's not a project right he's supposed to be your boyfriend and if he can't do minimal boyfriend performance duties which include not having irrational fears about your penis shattering during intercourse (laughs) it's not gonna it's not meant to be i agree well, because otherwise, she, isn't she going to be thinking the whole time, oh, no, like, he's thinking about the snap-off. Like, is it, like, I feel like I'd be lying there thinking, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> like, snap-off. <laughs> That's clap-on. Oh, clap-off. Clap-on. Clap-off, the clapper. You're, you're confusing snap-on tools with cla- <laughs> the clapper light fixture. Maybe he's confused, too. Perhaps. Maybe she should walk up behind him and go, and see if his dick falls off. <laughs> It won't fall off. No. You know, I appreciate a, a lot of women out there. How, these calls come from women mm-hmm. where they meet some guy. He's got some really disqualifying damage, not just major damage. We've all got major damages, uh, major dings, major dents, but like disqualifying damage. And they, they go, oh, I'm going to help him heal. I'm going to fix him. He can only fix himself. And he needs to fix himself before he gets into a relationship. And relationships can take, you know... Your minor damage and smooth out the edges and even your major damage a relationship can compensate for. Somebody can really complete you in that way. But if somebody is un, you know, so dysfunctional, so fucked up, these kind of disconnects, malfunctions, major damage, you just look at them and go, oh, wow, oh, it's, I'm really flattered you want me to be your girlfriend, but what you need is a shrink. Yep, and she's already laughing at him. You know, you said, I'm already laughing at him, too. That's not, you don't want to laugh during the sex. <laughs> like, that's not a good way. So, I don't know. can guys have sex with you without laughing? Because I can't even have a conversation <laughs> with you without laughing. Well, no, a little laughing is fine, but not laughing at the junk. The junk is to be treasured. <laughs> Respect the junk. Respect the junk. Hi, Dan. Um, I'm an 18-year-old gay male, and um, I have a question about penises, actually. Um, in my short sex career so far, I seem to have encountered about three penises at the sexual level, um, and I've experienced a strange phenomenon that I wanted to ask about, which is flaccid penises. Um, I find that when I get to that level with these guys that I've been with, the sexual level, they always go soft. Um, it takes about the length of fourth play to get them hard, and then as soon as we are about to commence the act, they kind of snap, and it's off, and it's really annoying. Um, So I'm wondering if this is something to do with maybe guys who are not naturally tops ending up being a top. I should have them a bottom. I'm also wondering if this is a big penis thing. Um, These guys have had pretty large penises, not just long, but also wide, and I can't help but wonder if that has something to do with the size. So I'm obviously very confused, and I 
can't seem to find someone that is not fitting this description, um, and I'd really like to have some good sex. Again with the snap-off tools. Right? So scary. I hope this isn't a new trend. Um, I'm not sure what to tell you, except, you know, unfortunately, you're the common denominator in all three of these experiences. Uh, I can't know if you're doing something that's kind of boner-killing in the moment, like once everything's all raring to go, is there something you're saying or doing that's kind of a buzzkill? And if you do a little introspection, and that's not true... Uh, and you don't feel that's the case, uh, and you perhaps run the scenario in more detail by a few friends and see what they have to say, uh, then it's not your problem. You can exonerate yourself. Uh, it could just be a coincidence. You've been with three guys who had performance anxiety. A lot of young guys, young gay guys have performance anxiety when they're first starting out, often when they're in the top role, because you're the bottom. You just have to have a hole. You don't have to have an erection that has to be sustained. You just have to have a hole. And some guys really, it does pull them out of it. They start worrying about whether they're going to stay hard the whole time. If they're newly sexually active and gay, as you are, um, they may have, you know, Jesus in their head screaming at them. They may have their mom in their head screaming at them. On top of the performance anxiety and feeling like the whole thing hinges on their erection, which for some guys is enough. For some guys, it's just a moment's flash on, oh my God, this all goes south if I lose my erection. is enough for them to lose their erection. I would encourage you to see these guys more than once. To perhaps the first time you're going to mess around, you say, oh, he, they're going to top. Don't go for the anal, brass, brown, whatever, ring the first time. Masturbate together. You know, nothing builds a person's self-confidence uh, in their own dick than being with someone who's already seen their dick function. Mm. And so if anal is something that's kind of ruining it for them or, you know, making them feel pressured to keep that erection and it's chasing it away, don't have anal. Have oral, mess around, uh, jack off together, uh, and then get together with them again sometime later, maybe a few times. Maybe date. Maybe have a thing called a boyfriend. <gasps> What's that? I, I know. Well, Lucy, I'll explain to you. <laughs> and then uh, maybe the penises will work a little better than, than they have been working. As for the large thing, it is true that the larger the penis, um, perhaps the less you know rock hard the erection. Roughly the same amount of blood. Uh, is being diverted to fill more space. Uh, more of a, what are they called? I forget what they're called. All that shit in your penis that swells with blood that makes you hard. Yeah. Uh, bigger penises sometimes can be a, a little softer, a little more pliable, even mm. when fully erect. Still functional. You can still fucking fuck the shit out of somebody with one. But uh, your observation that sometimes big penises aren't necessarily diamond-cutting penises. <laughs> that is the case. Any any other reason why you picked this call? No, I was just curious. And I know this has happened to even straight girls I know. They go to have sex with someone for the first time. And then they time, lose their and erections. Like, oh, and why is it me? Is it me? Is it me? And it's just the first time. And you're nervous. He's nervous. So these guys might be more inexperienced than you might even know. So. And that, the most important thing is you're nervous. And you have to realize that they're nervous too. And if you're asking them to top you, you're really asking them to take asking their dicks to take complete responsibility for the success or mm. failure of this encounter, which is why I think you should de-emphasize the importance of anal penetration right now in your young gay life with your new gay partners who are just getting into their young gay lives too. You might want to do some other shit, build a rapport, build some confidence in each other, confidence in your dicks mutually before you get down to varsity level anal ass banging. 
I agree. Old college blowjob always works. Or frittage, the Princeton Ooh, rub, as it's been called. The Princeton rub. I yeah. like that. Give that a try. Good luck to you, young gay boy. Welcome to college <laughs> and adult gay life. Good luck to you. Uh, be safe, please. And use condoms. And don't be an appalling whore. And just be just be a regular whore. Just be a, a not appalling whore. And... Uh, don't ever touch crystal meth and don't sleep with anyone who uses crystal meth and stay the fuck out of bathhouses. Thank you. Floss. And floss. <laughs> Anything else that you think you should do? No. I'm having a sip of my cocktail. Where's your cocktail? Uh... Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter Savage at checkout. Hey, Dan. I guess this is a simple question. Um, How do I enjoy giving my boyfriend a blowjob? He really likes them. I want to give them to him, but bluntly, I'm a little selfish, and I don't like doing it because I'm always like, well, I just got you off, and now i got to wait a freaking half hour before you're ready to get me off. So what the hell? I'm confused. Why are you confused? Why is she waiting 30 minutes? Because she's giving him a blowjob, uh-huh. and then she has to wait a half an hour for his refractory period to end so he can get an erection again. And then fuck her. Oh. So what she's saying is those times when she gives him a blowjob, what she wants, the reciprocity she expects in exchange is she wants vaginal penetration, penis and vagina. And his penis post-blowjob is too soft to jam into her vagina. Well, why does she have to, excuse me, but blow him until he comes? Why can't it, why can't there, it be like the hors d'oeuvre? Like- well, why can't, if it's, you know, there are times when you don't necessarily have to get off immediately after your partner gets off. Yeah. You know, you could give him a nighttime tuck him in blowjob <laughs> on the, with the understanding that uh, he's going to fuck the shit out of you in the morning. Or mm. he can go down on you. Like, his dick isn't hard, but his face is as hard as it ever is. So, you know, these times when you're doing oral, why don't you both do oral backwards and forwards? Yeah, why can't you be doing it to each other at the same time? Then you don't have to be selfish, quote unquote, because you're both doing it. But her question was, how does she learn to enjoy oral more? And I think that if giving him a blowjob doesn't mean your needs and your orgasm is going to be neglected, or you're going to have to wait all of 30 minutes for him to get a hard on again, um, you'll like blowjobs more. You'll enjoy Mm -hmm. them more. Right now, they symbolize... You then having to pester him and elbow in the ribs to get what you want, which is vaginal penetration. Well, you can get vaginal penetration without his penis. You can use toys. Uh, there, are, uh, there are all sorts of different toys you can use. There's a toy that you can uh, strap to your thigh that's a dildo that is basically a strap-on but for your leg. You could give him a blowjob while you ride a dildo that is strapped to his leg. You could experience vaginal penetration, give him a blowjob, and stimulate your own clitoris or have him reach down and stimulate your clitoris during a blowjob and have it be this sort of mind-blowing, spit-roasting, but one person, <laughs> only other one person in the room, experience. Um, but that, you know, that's just, people are going to say that that's sexist advice because I'm, you know, well, I don't Why know. Why is it sexist? That sounds like fun. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm, putting, I'm putting together a way for her to, like, have 
penis and vagina well, while without having to stop up. giving him blowjobs. Yeah, a lot of people, mix it up. a lot well, of angry callers are going to call in and say, "I should have told her not to give him blowjobs at all." What? We have crazy people. There are crazy. I don't uh, know if you know this. Boo hiss to that. Boo hiss. Crazy people out there. Mm. So the advice is basically um, find a way to. Uh, add self-pleasure and even penetration during the blowjob if you require penetration in a way that involves him and he has some control. If it's a dildo strapped to his leg, he can totally fuck you with it while you blow him. Or, as Lucy suggested, treat the blowjob as foreplay before the penis and vagina action begins. Or, I'm going to give this new sex act that no one's ever heard of a name, 69ing. Well, that's what I was thinking. While you go down on him... He can go down on you. I think 69 is overrated. I think it's distracting mm. to give head while you get head. It kind of like... Well, that's it's it's kind of a mind fuck. But it can be fun mind fuck. Do it, it a little bit. See if you like it. It only ever works kind of as foreplay. Well, oh yeah. I think 69ing does. Yeah. 69ing to completion is damn near impossible. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? No. <laughs> is that the voice of experience saying no? Yes. I'm having another sip of my drink. Mental images of my wife getting it on with some other man. (laughs) Distressing. (laughs) Good luck, caller. I have a nine year old girl who's incredibly inquisitive and really smart and we're making dinner one night and she asked me when I'm gonna start talking to her about where babies come from and all that stuff. And um, my immediate reaction to her was, Oh, Make sure you stir the noodles. Like, I just freaked out and I'm really pissed at myself because I always thought I would raise my kid as, like, this incredibly sex-positive, you know, understanding and never afraid to ask me any questions. And, like, I totally freaked out. So I'm wondering, as your expertise and advice, where do I start with a nine-year-old? It's like, I don't want to give her too much to scare her, but I also don't want to give her, you know, not enough and make her not understand and so like I just don't quite know where to begin with this and I'm really pissed at myself but like I don't know what to do so if you could either um, recommend books that I could read or she could read any advice that you can give would be super spectacular how old were you when your parents explained where babies come from super little really very little my mom is a science teacher well, here, I will share a story with you, Dan. Please, Lucy. She took the biological approach and showed us a video about, you know, what sperm and eggs do. And But unfortunately, when the actual sex happened in the video, the couple just ballet danced. <laughs> so... <laughs> So, so you were terrified of going to the ballet? No, you so, thought the ballet was porn? So at the end, I start weeping uncontrollably. My mom says, what? And I go, I will never have a baby. And she says, why? And I go, I've never taken ballet. <laughs> <laughs> and what did your mother say at that moment? <laughs> they were like, oh, crap. And they had to take another tag with us. I don't remember exactly how we learned about all the ins and outs. That's but... a great story, though, because it just goes to show that however you handle this conversation, Mom... <laughs> You're gonna fuck it up. Yep. I fucked it up with my kid. Did you? Me, Dan Savage. Oh, no. I fucked up the birds and the bees with my son. Because we had it out with him, you know, when he's about seven or eight or nine, he asked the age-appropriate questions, where do babies come from? And we gave him the uh, gay, inappropriate answer, your father's ass. Uh, no, we did not say that. Uh, that's not how we fucked it up. I was tempted, but we didn't say that. Um, you're a miracle butt baby. <laughs> we did not say that. But we explained sex to him, and then about, you know, a year or two later... 
he came downstairs one day, and he's 11 or 12 years old, or 10 maybe, and he looked at me and narrowed his eyes and went, you and daddy have sex for no reason. You can't make a baby. And so I, me, Dan Savage, I left sex for pleasure out of the birds and the bees talk, mm-hmm. which is 99.99999 of the sex that people have. People have a lot more sex than babies, even the duggers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're gonna fuck it up, and you just need to relax and realize you're gonna fuck it up. And you and you you already got the fucking it up out of the way. She asked the question, you dodged it. She now realizes this is a subject that makes you uncomfortable, that there's something shameful or awkward or weird, and now she's off there imagining things too horrible for you to tell her that babies come from Terry's ass. So, like babies come <laughs> from somewhere. I wouldn't say it's terrifying. I think Terry's ass is amazing. But babies come from somewhere unspeakable. Right. And so you need to go to her and you need to say, sorry, I freaked out. These are always awkward conversations. Here's the deal. And just very matter-of-factly, you know, kittens come from boy cats and girl cats having sexual intercourse. And here's how it works. There's a sperm. There's an egg. Just be very flat and clinical. It's, you know, reproductive biology. You just walk her through it. And then let her ask whatever questions she wants to ask. And I would encourage you also to get on YouTube and watch Julia Sweeney's video about explaining the birds and the bees to her daughter, which is outrageously fucking funny. And she does it wrong. We all do it. I did it wrong. Julia Sweeney did it wrong. You did it wrong. Lucy's parents did it wrong. (laughs) Give yourself a break. You did it wrong. Um, And the wrong's out of the way. And now you can do it right. Just go give her the reproductive biology talk. Learn from my mistakes and add the sex for pleasure thing as appropriate. I don't know if that's appropriate at age nine. Because you don't want to say there's this thing that adults think is a blast. Because <laughs> you don't want to put it in her head to, you know, start experimenting with an adult pleasure and see what this, see what the fun's all about at nine or ten. Uh, that's too soon. But, you know, a little mention that this is something that makes people feel close and warm and loved and... It's for adults and mention birth control and then tell her that whenever she has a question to come to you and ask. And even if it makes you uncomfortable, you will answer. As for books, I would just encourage you to get on down to your local independent bookstore. They all have sexuality sections. They all have children's books. And, you know, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but I'm sure your local independent bookseller could think of several that would be appropriate. And uh, whatever you do, don't show your daughter the video that Lucy's parents (laughs) showed her. And, uh, of course, sign your daughter up for ballet lessons immediately. <laughs> and I did take ballet. After let me that? add. Yes. <laughs> and uh, was it erotic ballet? No. No? Cause no. All the, Tap jazz and ballet. It's amazing to think that uh, a ballet dance, you know, two ballet dancers, one man and one woman dancing together could get pregnant because isn't the guy always gay? <laughs> I guess my mom left that out of the conversation also. <laughs> Find a straight man. <laughs> Find a man in tights and you'll never get... It's kind of a form of birth control if all the guys you go after are in tights and doing plies. Hi, Dan. I am uh, a straight 37-year-old female and I have... Um, I'm married to a man who I've recently found out uh, is a sex addict. I've been with him for 15 years, and we have a pretty decent marriage. Um, We have two small boys, Um, and I'm kind of at a loss for what to do. Uh, He's been sleeping with other women for about five years. My feelings are different. My feelings are confused. I kind of want to get your read on what you think about sex addiction. 
uh, when I first found out about this, I was trying to figure out if I could deal with being polyamorous, if I could deal with him being polyamorous and me not. Um, he, we obviously, he obviously has different sexual appetite than I do. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's pretty confusing. It's pretty jolting for me, and I'm just trying to get a grasp on things. Oh my God, this is very sad. Mm. I'm not sure I buy the whole sex addict thing. It sounds like your husband is what I call a CPOS. What's that? Cheating piece of shit. Mm. And by labeling it sex addiction, he's absolving himself of responsibility for the choices he's made uh, to cheat. Uh, and I think, you know, open relationships are awesome. Everyone knows what I think about monogamy and non-monogamy and open relationships. But I also believe that people shouldn't make monogamous commitments that they cannot keep. And they don't have a right to unilaterally impose a non-monogamous relationship on someone that they've made a monogamous commitment to. So the choice you really face is whether you're going to stay in this marriage, knowing what you know now about your husband. And what are you willing to accept and live with? And is he willing to change his behavior or not change his behavior? Can he be monogamous? Will he be monogamous? You know, does sex and sexual exclusivity mean so much to you? Uh, do you place so great a value on that, that you're willing to, you know, walk away from this relationship and this marriage uh, if he can't do that? Like, these are all questions that... I can't answer for you. No. And Lucy uh, isn't drunk enough right now to answer <laughs> for you. These are questions that you can only answer for yourself, and he can only answer uh, for himself, and you guys really need to hash out with a counselor. Mm. And I would encourage you, despite his clearly having been the bad actor here, I would encourage you to find a counselor who's not going to pathologize open relationships, isn't going to, if that's something you want to talk about or explore, isn't going to treat an open relationship as self-evidently unhealthy or abusive because uh, there are healthy open relationships out there there are unhealthy closed relationships out there you were in one your relationship was closed from your end and it wasn't a healthy closed relationship because it was open from his end and it reminds me of a friend who i once asked if he was monogamous if his, you know were he and his boyfriend monogamous and he looked at me and went well Yes and no. And I looked at him for a second and went, yes, he is. No, you're not. And he said, yeah. So he was cheating um, without his boyfriend's consent permission. And I don't think that's cool. And shit happens. Cheating happens. Um, People forgive and move on. Serial cheating, that can be harder to forgive. And if what your husband's telling you now is that he could never be satisfied in a closed relationship, that he could never be satisfied with just having one sex partner, that person being you, for the rest of his life, that he has needs, that he has desires, that he intends to act on, regardless of your feelings. That's hard to hear, uh, and that's hard to forgive, because that's not negotiating you know, a new deal sexually, perhaps in good faith, that's really kind of imposing terms, you know? That's asking you for unconditional surrender. And sort of backdated permission slip for the bad behaviors in which he's already engaged. And the question for you is: Are you? Is that something you're willing to do to to to, to remain married to this man? Is that something you're willing to accept uh, for your boys? Uh, or you know, thinking about your children, is it something you're willing to accept for them? But or if you do, you know, stay together for the kids and let him do what he wants and. Try, will yourself to ignore or get over uh, what's already happened um, 
will will you become so resentful and angry over time that it would be better for your kids if you just divorced now rather than dragging it out for five years of you becoming increasingly bitter, justifiably so, increasingly bitter and angry uh, and gradually realizing that you need out. And I'm not giving you any answers. I'm not giving you any walking papers. I'm not like prescribing anything. Just telling you, you need to really think this shit out. And you need to think it out out loud with your husband and without him, I think solo sessions and a uh, couple of sessions, with a counselor who isn't knee-jerk, anti-open relationships or non-monogamous relationships. Because that potentially could be a solution. And that you wouldn't be the first couple where some big explosion around cheating and hiding and lying and the violation of vows and the monogamous commitment leads to renegotiated terms, different expectations, and then uh, that couple winds up glad they stayed together, glad they got through it, and in a happier place, both of them. Uh, That, I don't think, is the likeliest outcome when serial adultery comes out in this way. Sorry, it's not more helpful. Sorry, I can't wave a magic wand. I'm sorry your husband's dick didn't fall off when he put it at another woman. Didn't snap snap off. off. We'll pray for it, though. Hi, Dan. Um, My name is Amy, and I'm 21 years old. I live in New York City. Um, I'm a straight girl, and I've been in a relationship with my boyfriend, who is also 21, for about a year and a half. Um, Our problem is that we've we've been having kind of a, a an issue with our sex life. So when we started dating, things were great. Um, I had never been with anyone before. He had been with a couple of people before, and we kind of were off and running, and it was it was awesome. Um, but now I feel like we've kind of slowed down a lot. But we're both so busy that we barely have time to see each other, let alone have sex. Um, at this point, we're lucky if we have sex like once a week, which is not acceptable to me at all. You know, it's not that we don't want to, it's just that circumstances kind of end up being that we can't really do that. Also, the problem is that he was with his sister and he won't have sex with me if she's home which is really, really frustrating because she spends a lot of time at home and we don't go to my place because I live an hour away from everything that we do from school and work and, you know, I live an hour away in Brooklyn and he's in Manhattan and so it's really hard for us to kind of make things work. Lucy, when's the last time you had sex? Ooh, September. I can't remember the last time I had sex. We've been on the road for a while. For a long time. If if sex was an hour away from me right now. I would go jogging, running, cartwheeling, <laughs> skateboarding. If somebody told me that we're in Orlando, uh, the beach is an hour away. If somebody told me that Terry's ass was in the air at that beach, I would crawl through broken glass. <laughs> I would drag to you to it. <laughs> So the idea that your apartment is an hour away and you can't prioritize getting both your asses there to fuck, and that's what's dear, and and you're wasting time calling us, calling me, instead of getting on the A train, the B train, mm-hmm. the one, two, three train, whichever one it is, and going to your place and fucking 
it I, I don't you know we're I kind of we've been on the road for a while we're all a little our nerves are a little on edge <laughs> we're all a little afraid and I'm really I don't I, I'm sorry that I sound like I want to reach through uh, your iPod and wrap your earbud cords around your neck and strangle you but that's how I feel right now I want to kill you do you know how long it's been since I had sex with anybody <laughs> holy Christ and I'm I'm running around the country from university to university hanging out with Hot oh. college age guys talking to them about their sex lives and their sex. That guy today, holy oh. moly! I had to sit across from him for an hour talking to him about his sex problems, and I'm just thinking all sorts of things that I'm not supposed to be thinking about guys who are 22 years old. And then I have to go back to my hotel room with my wife who doesn't <laughs> fuck me and listen to you tell me that you're getting sex once a week. Good for you. Which I would kill for right now. <laughs> well, at this point, yeah. And uh, you could be having it more often if you were willing to commute to it. <laughs> I can't commute to it. I hate to say, if you're not running to it full naked, like, <laughs> lube in hand, you don't want it that bad. You shouldn't even. It doesn't sound worth it to me. Are you and telling like, her to break up? Because I get yelled break at because I tell up, every other up. caller to break up. So we I, try to avoid that. Don't break up. Get a goddamn Metro card and go fuck him. Or, or ask him to come fuck you. And as for, the, like, his sister's in the house and he won't fuck you, leave the house. It's New York City. Go find a park bench to mm-hmm. qu- to occupy and fuck <laughs> on it. The police are a little busy right now in New York, so they're not really looking for, like, horny young straight couples who are getting it on in nooks and crannies of Central Park. Go fuck out in... Out in go fuck in New York City. Fuck all over New York City. Photo documented. Fuck around the corner from his house. You say you go to college? There's college. Your uh, internship? <laughs> everybody we talk to at these colleges and universities we're going to, invariably we say, is there somewhere on campus where people will hook up in public? Like, oh yeah, the library. Or the, the, the music performance building with the rehearsal room. Like, there's the always closet. The janitor's closet. There's always a spot. Go find the spot. No, I have no sympathy for you, I guess is what I'm saying, because I'm so frustrated and horny and uh, it's been so long, and and all the solutions are literally staring you in the pussy right now, and you are not, you didn't need me to walk you through New York City's very fine public transportation system, or all the little places at your university where you could get it on. These are solvable problems. So it makes me think that you don't want to have sex with him more than you are. It makes me think you want to complain about how little sex you're having. I think so. Some people think, you know, having gripes is what makes it a relationship. And grousing about what you're unsatisfied with uh, is what love's all about. Oh, well, then keep doing (laughs) doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Sorry. I'm sorry we're letting you have it with both. We're just angry. Yeah, we're angry and we're (laughs) jealous, frankly. Uh, Nobody's allowed to call for the next, really, month and say, I'm getting it once a week and I feel sexually deprived. Because or buy me a plane ticket. I'll come take care of it. <laughs> yeah, Lucy will come fuck you. Yep. <laughs> and I'll come fuck your boyfriend. There we go. And I don't care if his sister's there. I'll bring her in on it, too. Yeah, that's how horny I am. I will fuck your boyfriend's <laughs> sister. But, oh, my God. Honestly, God, if, Terry, if somebody said, Dan, Dan, Terry's ass, it's an hour from here. But you have to crawl through broken glass to get there. I would jump out this window. I to know. get to the broken glass, so I could get crawling. Trust me, I know. I'm the minute I get back to Queens, I'm going to grab the first person at the airport and just <laughs> like in the cab on the way back. Did you hear that, JFK? Lucy is coming. I am a student at a Christian university who is gay. I'm out. Came out a couple months ago, and I come from a very, very conservative family. Um, there's besides for second cousin, it's transgendered. 
my family gives him lots and lots of crap about that. There's no real, um, like, there's no real acceptance. And you know, a year ago, it was last September, tried to come out to my parents. It's a long story, but basically, it I ended up trying to attempt suicide a couple times, and I, you know, tried to talk to them half a dozen, dozen different times, and they sent me to college with a couple of different um, books on you know, breaking bondage. Etc. Blah blah blah. Bullshit. 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 And I ended up coming out anyways. And I have a couple questions for you. Um, my dad told me that basically financially I was going to be on my own. And he said it wasn't because I'm gay. It was because you know I wanted to be an adult. I wanted to be said to be an adult. So I mean he's still helping to some stuff like food and a few other things. But as far as like tuition, car insurance, phone, stuff like that, I have to pay for it for myself. But at the same time, he's also they're also guilt tripping me into like coming home for the breaks. And is like, I can you shed some light on what exactly they're doing? Like, it seems like they don't want me to be gay, but they still want me in their life. So I am gay, and I'm a little bit confused on why exactly this is happening. And the other thing, I haven't talked to any of my extended family at all, and there's a total of eight sets of aunt and uncles. And for Thanksgiving and Christmas, which are coming up, I'm not sure. Like, how do I talk to them about this? Do I bring this up to them first? Are they, uh, I'm bringing this up, should I even go? I mean, we're talking about really, really, like, if Glenn Beck and Dr. James Dobson had a bastard child, that would be my family. You've heard of unconditional love? What you're getting right now is very deeply conditional love. Your parents are uh, assholes, and they're being dick bags, bags of dicks, and you need to stand up to them. Uh, you know, they've cut you off financially, but they're giving you just enough money that you still feel obligated or pressured to give them what they want. And what they want is they still want to have you in their lives, but they want to have you conditionally. They want to have some of you, not all of you, and they want to have you around enough to bully, to intimidate, to uh, emotionally abuse, because uh, they still hope, somewhere in their tiny reptilian brains, that they can terrorize you out of being gay, that they can blackmail you, manipulate you emotionally, and abuse you until you decide not not to be gay, because you can't not be gay if you're gay, but to go back in the closet. Uh, don't do it, and it doesn't sound like you're going to do it. Be strong, please, no more suicide attempts. Uh, Trevor's out there for you, the It Gets Better Project's out there for you. Uh, the longer you're out, the more people you're going to meet, the more friends, uh, lovers, uh, colleagues who are going to come into your life uh, and make it feel rich and full. Um, so just please right now at this stage of, of your coming out process when you may feel like you've lost so much, realize that you're going to gain so much in a few short years' time, probably less time. And then you need to tell your parents you're not coming home for Thanksgiving. And you need to pull the pin out of the grenade and lob it at your whole fucking family all at once. You need to put up a Facebook Status update, you need to change uh, looking for women to looking for men if you haven't yet. You need to send a letter or an email to all of your aunts and uncles, cousins, relatives, grandparents, all at once, informing them that you are gay and you are out now, uh, and asking them to please read this, read that, send them a few links, if you like, uh, to books that might be helpful. Uh, but you don't do it in any way that, in, you know, that even gives them a chance to come back at you, with you, at you with are you sure or is there some line of attack that we can pursue that will bully you back into the closet your parents are going to be a tough nut to crack but people with 
bigger assholes for parents have cracked their nuts. Here's what they're doing. They're throwing a tantrum. We've talked about this on the podcast before. They're throwing a tantrum, just like you threw tantrums when you were a small child. And they're throwing a tantrum now. They want to get their way, and their way is you go back in the closet. Uh, you not be gay. You go uh, break the bondage of homosexuality. <sighs> and tantrums continue so long as tantrums work. You have to make it clear to your parents now that the tantrums aren't going to work. They can't have you conditionally. They can have you unconditionally. You will love them. Uh, and they will have to love you as their gay son, or they will not have you in their lives at all. Uh, there's a great video out there. I've mentioned it on the podcast before. Lead with love film.com i would suggest that you email that link to your parents so they can watch this movie it's a short video that was produced for parents whose children have just come out to them and you should watch it too because it's this great moment there's this african-american family who's absolutely charming and smart uh eldest son i believe in college comes out to his family and they have a really hard time with it and his mother talks about how she was really not being very good to him and it was when he told her that he wasn't going to see her anymore, that he wasn't going to be coming home or coming around anymore because of the way they were treating him, that she realized that she was going to have to change, that he wasn't going to change, and that if she wanted him in her life, she had to move. And she had to love him like a mother and stop treating him like shit. You have to be strong. You have to do exactly that. You know, we fear our family's rejections. We fear rejection at the hands of our families, particularly our parents. And what you need to do is you need to go in there with this attitude. They should be worried about me rejecting them, not the other way around. Your parents want you in their life. The only way they can have you in their life is to love and accept you for who you are. If they can't do that, you need to remove them from your life. Now, you've just come out. Your parents are the people that they are. It may take them a little longer than some to grow and get the fuck over it. The sooner you stand up to them, the sooner you make it clear, the sooner they can start to grow. I think you give them a year or two to ask. Usually I say a year, maybe in your parents too. Ask any asshole question they want to ask. Don't bring boyfriends around. Tell them that you love them every time they say some shitty thing to you. Just like when you said, I hate you, mom and dad, when you were throwing a tantrum when you were three in a grocery store. They said, I love you. Uh, and you don't mean that. And then at the end of that year, you say, you're over it, or I'm not coming home for Christmas, I'm not coming home for Thanksgiving, period, the end. You don't say whether you have siblings or not, but if you have siblings who are adults, who are college students, who were college students, who your parents paid for their tuition despite and their car insurance despite the fact that they were adults, you really have to regard what your parents are doing to you right now financially as retaliatory. Uh, and the sooner you can declare economic independence, the sooner that this lever is pulled out of their hands and they can't use this as a weapon against you. So get a second job. Transfer to a school that's more affordable. Move in with people. Uh, live rough a little bit uh, so that you can have your independence and your parents can't hold the bills they are paying over your head. So there isn't this implicit threat at all times. Uh, and don't go home for fucking Thanksgiving. I would... Come out to everybody. Come out explosively. Like I said, pull the pin out of that hand grenade and throw it at the entire family. And let them have fucking Thanksgiving alone to think about it and talk about it. Get it off their chests. And then maybe go home for Christmas if they're going to treat you like a human being. If not, don't fucking go home for Christmas. Ask around. You have friends. Hopefully you have gay friends already. When I was out and I was a teenager, uh, we had some 
kids over for Christmas who were my gay friends, whose parents were being horrible to them, that my mother welcomed into our house and loved and treated them in a very maternal way uh, and gave them a Christmas because their parents were too hung up at that moment to love them like they should and eventually did come to love their children again. Uh, but you got to be strong. Honest to God, I've talked about it before. Go watch that Lead with Love film. Watch out. Look for the African-American uh, young man who's out there getting his PhD now. Look for him uh, and his family's stories because they're really important. It's a really important story. Uh, and it's a really good lesson for young LGBT people out there about changing the power dynamic when you come out to your family and they're being shits to you. Don't fear their rejection. Make it clear to them that they need to worry about yours, your rejection of them and their hatred and their manipulation and their bullshit. Why'd you pick that one? That was so like heartbreaking and sad. Because it's conflicting. I didn't know what you would say about going home or not. And I was curious because that's very hard. It's very especially when you're financially dependent on someone and you love your family. And I don't know. I was curious. Sometimes when you love your family, you have to draw a line and say, I expect better of you. I expect better behavior. I expect better treatment. And if I can't have that, you can't have me. Mm -hmm. No, and I agree with that. I think it's good. You know, shake them up. And it's one Thanksgiving. Hopefully you'll have many, many, many more Thanksgivings together with your family. And Thanksgiving's where they love and accept you, love and accept your partner one day, Mm -hmm. love and accept you and your partner's children one day. Those Thanksgivings will come sooner if you're strong now, if you stand up to them now. If you let it be a total shit show right now. You know, some people will drag the shit show out, you know. Mm. They'll uh, go home. They'll, they'll, they won't push the issue. They'll let their parents say shitty things to them because they're hoping their parents will come around. And all their parents are doing is thinking, I can keep, if I keep at it, if I just keep being, uh, rejecting, if I keep rejecting him for this, or keep rejecting this part of him, he will excise this part of him. Um, and you need to make it absolutely clear. You need to napalm thanksgiving and make it absolutely clear that this part of you is intrinsic and inherent to who you are as a human being uh, and they can accept you and have you and that too or not they can fucking choke to death on the goddamn wishbone this year and you won't be there to heimlich them hells no hells no good luck i'm really sorry please no more suicide attempts please reach out to trevor the trevor project find them online uh 24-hour suicide hotline if you're at all feeling suicidally depressed during the holiday season, which can be tough for young queer kids who've just come out. Uh, Send me an email, call me if you want, but don't, don't, don't harm yourself. And don't allow your family to do any more harm to you emotionally, uh, psychically than they've already done. And go out there and find friends, find family of choice who love and accept you for who you are right now. I want to say, I'm really sorry that you're going through this. Mm. This experience is going to make you stronger. It's going to make you more compassionate. Um, a lot of us have a rough coming out and you can regard it as this just unfair trial and this blow and this thing that, you know, you allow it to wreck you or you can regard it as your hero's journey. You're going to get through this. You're going to be wiser. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be more compassionate, a human being than you were, were it not for this rough patch and this experience and this trial. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I am a 27-year-old lesbian living in New York City. I just entered into a uh, fuck-buddy relationship with a really attractive bisexual friend of mine. And I know these tend to have a reputation for ending poorly, especially when two women are involved and 
we overthink things and get emotional and it can blow up. So I was just hoping you could give me some advice as to how to navigate this as smoothly as possible and just keep it as fun as it can be. I hate you for picking this one. Why? I don't even know what to say. Because the thing, anything I'm going to say is going to get me in trouble with the vagina havers of the world. Well, I'm a vagina haver. I know, and I'm always in trouble with you. You know, how do you have a fuck buddy relationship without getting attached? You, you can't control for that. Sometimes, you know, with intimacy, with sex, the heart rushes in. Even if you're saying it's just sex and it's not no strings attached. And that, I think that goes doubly, may I say, for women. Like, yeah. A lot of women sometimes have a hard time with, you know sex being this kind of commodified exchange of, you know, pleasure as opposed to some sort of intimate connection. Women really, you know, that whole U-Haul joke about lesbians, uh, that cliche is a cliche for all sorts of very good reasons. If getting your heart broken is what you're worried about, don't have a fuck buddy relationship with this woman or with anybody because you very well could get attached, fall in love, and then have the other person say, whoa, this was just fuck buddy for me. And they can then turn on their heel and walk away from you, and you could be devastated. Mm. And Or the reverse. She could get attached to you, and then you mm. could be like, whoa. But the fact that you're calling makes me think you're the one who's likelier perhaps to see in yourself the risk that you're going to with sex form, you know, a bond of intimacy and, and, you know, become romantically attached to this woman. Um, and if falling in love with her and then getting kicked to the curb is going to crush you, don't fuck around with her. Mm -hmm. There really is nothing I can do. Nothing I can tell you like, Oh, this is, this is what you do. Uh, so that in a fuck buddy relationship, you don't fall in love. You just have to cross your big toe and your second <laughs> toe on your left foot. And then it's impossible. You know, you have to drink a cap full of bleach every time <laughs> oh, no. after you have sex, and then you won't fall in love. There's nothing you can do. Love is always a, a risk. You know, I had a one-night stand with this boy once who was completely an inappropriate partner choice, and 17 years later, <laughs> I'm married to the bastard, and he's in my house, and he's got my credit card. So you never know. I certainly didn't think that that was a risk that night, and it turned out to be a, a hugely welcome risk. Like, you could fall in love with this woman, and she could fall in love with you back, and... There have been relationships that grew out of fuck buddy arrangements, um, so you never know. But uh, if you don't want to risk getting your heart broken, don't have a fuck buddy, don't leave the house. I think the extra layer when it becomes a relationship as opposed to just friends with benefits is the feeling of beholdenness and mutual obligation. Yes. That that's the added layer. Like if it's friends with benefits or fuck buddies, they can't call you in the middle of the night and say, oh, I have a cold, would you go get me some Robitussin mm -hmm. or I need some Nidol? Like that's the kind of thing that your boyfriend or husband can roll over in the middle of the night and say to you, and you do. You do for someone when you're in a relationship, when you've committed to them when you're in love. Uh, and what somebody who's saying, I just want a fuck buddy thing, I think partly what they're saying is, don't call me when you've got the flu and expect me to come running because we're just friends. And that's not something you really ask of most of your friends. I mean, you know, sometimes you have a friend that you can really count on in a, mm -hmm. in a crunch, but even then they're just doing you, they're doing you a, a favor as a friend. Right. It's not an obligation. You know, if Terry calls me when I'm at work and something's going down and he needs me right then, I have to come. He's my husband. So, call her. Good luck with that. Yeah. You could get your heart broken or you could have a lot of hot sex with somebody who's then uh, a good buddy afterwards or you could get your heart broken. Just be clear and honest. And cross the big toe on your <laughs> left foot with your second toe and everything will be just fine. Hi, Dan. I was just listening to episode 264. 
about the guy asking about dating a girl who's 10 weeks pregnant. Um, you know, you said people getting mad at you. I think you were totally right. I was involved. I got involved in a, with a girl at high, in college who was pregnant with someone else's kid, probably about just about as far along. And one of the things that he may not be thinking about, but I certainly came very aware of, was when it was time to end the relationship, I really had a hard time doing it because of how intertwined I had become with the kid by that point. Um, and that, that ends up putting you in a really horrible position where you know you love the kid and the kid loves you and you want to be around, but you definitely don't need to be around um, with the mom. Um, it, it's, a, it's a pretty ugly position, and it's not one I really think... It, it's not an easy one to put anybody in, and I would seriously recommend against it. Hi, Dan. This is in response to the pee fetishist who couldn't pee uh, when her, in front of her boyfriend. I used to have this problem. I'm not a pee fetishist, but um, after taking some yoga classes and learning more about my body and where I kept the tension in my body, I was able to actually stretch, move around a little, notice where my center of gravity was, and uh, overcome my pee shyness. Um, I actually had to pee in a room full of 14 men when I was arrested, but I was able to do so by bending my knees and moving the center of gravity from, like, my belly, solar plexus re region to, like, my knees. I don't know if that would work for her, but uh, it's worth giving it a try. Hey, Dan. Uh, this is a uh, response to the caller in episode 265, who is P-Shy. Um, I had the same problem with my boyfriend. And literally, we one day spent the entire day in the bathroom. We brought a little TV in there. We're watching TV. We eat, whatnot. And it took me seven hours. But finally, I had to go pee. And finally, my boyfriend got to experience water sports with me. It took a long time. But after that, it kind of started to get easier because I'm very peach on myself. So um, I would just recommend to the lady just literally just Spend the day in the bathroom if you need to. Just wait it out, because eventually you're going to have to go pee. And we're going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for your calls and your comments and your questions. And thank you, Lucy. Thank you. For sitting in with us again. Yeah. Yeehaw, everybody. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, have a happy Thanksgiving. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast if you'd like to record a call or a question or a comment for a future show. If you want to leave a comment uh, about the podcast, because we can't get all the phone-in comments on the air, go to www.thestranger.com slash lovecast. Thank you all so much for your calls. Have a good Thanksgiving, and me and the Tech Savvy At Risk Youth will be back at you next week, another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Thank you.